Now, for those of you who follow my personal social media pages, you know that I mentioned a while back that I had a big announcement that I was going to be making. Well, yesterday I officially went public with it, and I am happy to announce here on the Boochcast that Booch Fest is returning. And it is coming to the Anchor Bar in Kennesaw, Georgia. Located at 2708 Town Center Drive, Kennesaw, Georgia, 30144. Again, that address is 2708 Town Center Drive, Kennesaw, Georgia, 30144. The show will be taking place on November 3rd at 8 p.m. And that will be the first of many shows that will be taking place on a bi-weekly basis, which means starting November 3rd, every other Thursday, there will be a comedy showcase at the Anchor Bar. The show will be hosted by me, and it will feature some of the funniest comics the Atlanta comedy scene has to offer. Some have been doing it for years, some who are relatively new, and some who may even be stepping on a comedy stage for the very first time. All comedy acts, no matter how long they've been performing, are welcome to be in this show. So come on down for a great night of comedy as the Booch is taking over Kennesaw. And on December 10th, Combat Pro Wrestling presents Seasons Beatings at Eastside High School, located at 1300 Brushy Creek Drive, Taylor, South Carolina, 29687. Again, that address is 1300 Brushy Creek Road, Taylor, South Carolina, 29687. I, of course, will be the ring announcer for this event, and the show will be featuring special guest general manager, WWE Hall of Famer, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Also scheduled to appear are... The Cowboy James Storm, the legendary Barbarian, the Greater Good Garrett Sinclair, Forever Young Devin Cruz, from AEW Griff Garrison, the Russian Wolf Neil Koloff, from Tosh.0 Dave Wills, it's still real to me damn it, the All-American Blue Chipper Chase Emery, Buckshot Brian Brock, NWA Tag Team Champions and NWA United States Tag Team Champions. The Heat Seekers. Born Scum Chase Lovelace. Stan the Man Lee. From AEW Dark and Friday Night SmackDown, Marcus Cross. Outlaw Randy Wayne. From AEW Dark, The Brolic, Tyson Maddox. The Gimmick Destroyer, Dave Stage, and many, many more stars. Be sure to follow them on social media via Facebook at Combat Pro Wrestling, Twitter at Real Combat Pro, and on Instagram at Combat underscore Pro underscore Wrestling. To find out more information on superstars that will be added and when the tickets will be on sale. I am so excited to be part of this show. I look forward to ring announcing and I also look forward to seeing all of you in Taylor, South Carolina as we do a benefit show for the Eastside High School weightlifting department. So come on out for a great show and let's help the students of Eastside High make some motherfucking Games. Boys and girls of every age, wouldn't you like to see something strange?
background sharp and eyes glowing red. I am the one hiding under your stairs. Fingers like snakes and spiders in my hair. This is Halloween. This is Halloween. 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 In this town we call home. Everyone hail to the pumpkin song. In this town, don't we love it now? Everybody's waiting for the next surprise. What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to The Booch Cast. This week, ladies and gentlemen, we continue our road down the WCW 1997 pay-per-views. And, of course, joining me here on The Booch Cast, the man who is finally able to join us. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the one, the only, Gator Ricky Ross. Hello, children. Yes, yes, the craft, yes, yes. Hey, Mr. Butch, Hello, Mr. Gator. How we is? We're, we is doing fine now that you're fucking here, man. We've had to reschedule so many goddamn times to get this show done. So now yeah, that you're actually yeah. here and ready to yeah, go. Yeah, we, can... we had to reschedule because I got menopause. It's okay. It was something. I was like, Jesus. My dick fell off. Uh, what? Your dick fell off? Yes. How did your dick fall off? Well, Mr. Butch, really, I was fucking the rats. <laughs> you were fucking the rats. Yes. Well, you're single, so I guess you're asked. There was one girl named Ashley. Mm-mm. 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 No? Motherfucker waited until I took a sip of water to do that. I almost got away with it. <laughs> but Mr. Budrelli, I'm a master of all tasks. Oh, yes, you are. I tip my dip cup to you, sir. But anyway, um... Uh, Mr. Budrelli, hold on. Before we get started, you need to take that motherfucker with you. <laughs> I will remember to take it with me. 
I will remember. But ladies and gentlemen, here at the, obviously it's a different day at the time that we're recording this, but ladies and gentlemen, at the time that you are listening to this, it is officially Halloween. So let me take this opportunity to wish everybody happy Halloween. My best advice to you guys is uh, be safe. Use a pillowcase so you can hold more candy. And after you hit every house in your neighborhood, hop the fucking fence, go to the next one. Or if you're an adult, you listen to this, take your kids to another subdivision, get more candy. That's a trick that me and my brother learned years ago. Uh, although our parents didn't take us. We hopped the fence, went to a whole other neighborhood, got some more fucking candy. We had pillowcases. We're dragging these motherfuckers home. No, 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 no. Kids, kids, listen to your Uncle Gator. It's Halloween. If people don't give you candy, then you take spray paint and eggs and you take care of that motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. Or if they give you apples or, like, spider rings or a notebook because they're part of the Teal Pumpkin Program, egg the shit out of their house. Yes, you go back to their house with a bottle of gasoline. Yeah, that is evil thing to do. You set that motherfucker on fire because the first rule of arson is... We don't talk about arson. No, we don't get caught. Well, the first rule is don't talk about it, especially on a podcast. So anyway... Ladies and gentlemen, yes. we hope you guys enjoy Halloween. And in the kids, spirit of Halloween... Kids, kids, do like Mikey Myers and get you a big knife. Go on down in your trench coat. Dare? What? First of all, Michael Myers didn't wear a trench coat. Second of all, we do not need to be doing this. Ladies and gentlemen, we're now here to talk about, uh, in the spirit of Halloween, we're going to be getting into Halloween Havoc 1997 here on the Boochcast because we're doing a classic pay-per-view review. Now, how this works is Gator and I uh, review classic pay-per-views from WWE, WWE, ECW and ECW. And we look at it from the perspective of not just two people who love professional wrestling, but also from the perspective of two people who work in the business. Gator, of course, has been a wrestler, a manager, a referee. He run, he, he works at a wrestling school. He books. He's pretty much got the industry covered. I myself have been a ring announcer, a commentator. I've done street team shit I never want to fucking do again. I've been a manager in the ring, out of the ring. I've pretty much got the industry covered on my end as well. So today we're going to be looking at Halloween Havoc, the ninth annual Halloween Havoc. That was produced by World Champion. Wrestling took place on October 26, 1997 from the MGM Grand Garden Arena in the Las Vegas suburb of Paradise, Nevada. This is the second consecutive event for the year to be held at this venue. And of course, there was 12,457 people in attendance. The tagline was, Snap into the Madness. And, of course, on commentary, we had Tony Schiavone, Bobby Heenan, Buster Rules, and we had Gene Oakland as the interviewer, Michael Buffer and David Penzer, our ring announcers, and, of course, for the referees, Randy Anderson, Mark Curtis, Scott Dickinson, Mickey J, and the senior official, Nick Patrick. And, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to kick things off here with our first official match of the evening. Oh, dear God. We have Yuji Nagata with Sonny Ono versus Ultimo Dragon. Yes, yes, children. So, this match, Nagata has Sonny Ono with him. Dusty Rhodes says Sonny Ono is on the horse that's leading the race. You know what I mean? And he really feels with this horse he can win the race. Tanae joins the commentary team to bring the facts to the party. They both avoid kicks to start before Nagata tries some clubbering blows and a headlock. Dragon sends him off and they collide on a shoulder block. Nagata laughs at his weakness, tells him to try again. Dragon does. This time he knocks Yuji Yuji down. Uh, He avoids the kick then sweeps Nagata in a nice sequence. Nagata is all fuck this and ducks behind, folds him up with a beast 
gargoyle suplex. I did not know what that was until Tanay said it. Dragon Dragon tries tries a roll up again, up and over in the corner. Nagata sniffs it out, so Dragon drop kicks him down instead, and then hits a series of kicks. Dragon with a head of steam runs into a sleeper from Nagata. Nagata with a pile driver and the cover for one, two, three. For one and two only, he they jockey over a suplex. Nagata hit for only one this time. Back to the chin lock. Nagata pulverizes Dragon with some stiff shit and Dragon catches him with a counter. Dragon screw leg whip, not the knee. And they seize the moment. It's like a 30 minute Noah fucking thing. Fujiwara armbar. Dragon taps out. Nine minutes, 53 seconds. Not a bad match at all. At all? Who was at all? But anyway, well, they said it was nine minutes and 42 seconds to be exact. Um, And obviously this was a basic Japanese style match. You know, same strong style, you know. Just a lot of kicks. Basically, kicks, kicks galore. You would have thought you saw the Rockettes. There were some goddamn kicks. I felt Sometimes I felt like I was watching a soccer match. And although at times there were some entertaining moments, like the flock starts walking down the stairs through the crowd, and there's more focus on the flock than the match, which clearly told me what was more important. Um, and then, of course, at one point, I thought was kind of interesting was the Nagata leg lock, which is basically a standing figure four, and then you fall back. I thought that was kind of cool. After, you know, the mm-hmm. overhead suplex with the two county lots and the Nagata leg lock um dragon of course at one point hits a series of kicks and he hits the right spots like perfect just bam 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 and apparently after the match um nagata holds out the injured arm for sunny to kick it repeatedly and then he pays off nagata for winning and doing the damage and apparently storyline here was this was revenge by sunny because dragon turned down his services basically sunny ono offered to manage ultimo dragon dragon turned it down so he basically paid yuji nagata to teach him a lesson which is nobody says no to sunny ono Yes, which is bullshit. Fuck Sonny Ono. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We have Gaido versus Chris Jericho. (sighs) This is a special unadvertised bonus match. Gaido is from Japan and has some history with Jericho with some J-Cup bullshit. Jericho is plucky, white-bred, baby-faced Jericho. Ghetto is wearing mustard yellow pants and a mesh shirt and a karate belt. They lock up, it goes nowhere. Ghetto smacks and then ducks under the ropes for a break. Uh, Ghetto grabs a wrist lock. Jericho rolls through. Jericho hits a spin kick, takes him down. Back in the ring, uh, Jericho with a back elbow. The Judas effect, before it was the Judas effect. And a hanging vertical suplex. Jericho covers for two. Tanay scrambles to cover when they had this. So they had a, the HBK um, steamboat skin the cat spot, but it's pretty bland. So Tanay tries to scramble to cover it. A um, lot of brawling. Very. This is a very old territory Southern style kind of match. You could have seen this shit in Memphis. Um, Ghetto heads up to the top. But Jericho just swats him away, locks him in the line tamer. Two tap outs in a row, motherfucker. Yeah. Yes, as Gator mentioned, this was an unadvertised bonus match. Uh, it says here, uh, Gato made his WCW debut at 28 years old. He had been a pro wrestler for eight years. He was Jericho's longtime rival. They were also a tag team back in Japan. Uh, Gato defeated Chris Benoit in the Super J Cup and lost to Jushin Thunder Liger. He also defeated Chris Jericho and Six, who we know is X-Pac, uh, in that tournament. Gato is a two-time international junior heavyweight champion, which is one of the belts that makes up the J-Crown. And 
And from other news that I've noticed here, he is main booker of New Japan Pro Wrestling currently. And he's an on-screen character working as a manager for Jay White and the Bullet Club. So apparently Gato is in the Bullet Club. Prior to that, he was a manager for Okada and his Chaos Stable. And, yes. and then he was uh, IWGP uh, Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champion with Jado. And they won a couple tag team belts together. So, And he's an eight-time recipient of the Best Booker Award from the Wrestling Observer. Because that means something. Anyway. <laughs> I'm just saying, these are the accomplishments that uh, Gato has as a way to give a, you know, just something better here. And basically, this was like Gator said. It was a fight. Uh, they has fight. Um, at one point, yeah, like I said, Gator sends Jericho to the top rope. Jericho skins the cat, and then Gato knocks him out of the ring. Tony says it wouldn't have been a DQ, but the DQ didn't happen on the second move, whatever that means. And then, of course, um, he goes for the Jericho spike, but Gato blocks it. Or was that a botch? I couldn't tell. It basically was a botch. It was a botch, but they covered it up by saying he blocked it, is what I'm assuming. Correct. Yeah, I noticed that in the match. And other than that, it was just a brutal fight trying to introduce fans to Gato, but we wouldn't see much of him after that. And nobody really cared. I think it was just something for Jericho to do because he had no feuds or no rivalries or nothing. There's nothing for him to do. And he lost the Cruiserweight title. So let's put him in the ring with an old friend. Basically, Sister Christian, no, you're... And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. It's a title versus mask match for the WCW Cruiserweight title. Eddie Guerrero defends the title against the, against Rey Mysterio Jr., who's defending his mask. Yes. Now, I know what you're all thinking, okay? No, this match is not for the custody of Dominic. <laughs> I know what you're all thinking. That's not what it is. Uh... Tony puts over how Eddie, the heel, is the best pound-for-pound wrestler in the world. Uh, The brain speculates about whether Ray's mask or the Cruiserweight title is more important to him. Crowd with a huge Eddie sucks chance. Uh, Eddie tells Ray not to get it twisted and that he's the champ. This thing was a Cruiserweight wrestling clinic. Okay, this thing was awesome. The athleticism was nuts. Uh, the jockey, so this is how it ends. They jockey for position. Eddie wants the super razor's edge, flash mountain, but Ray counters to the hurricane rana, hooks the legs, one, two, three, wins the belt. This thing was nuts. There was a scary, scary, scary move, though, with the rana where Ray almost hits his damn head on the fucking stairs. Benny? Yes. Um, this is where Ray goes for a 619. It wasn't called that yet, but Eddie grabs him. Ray does a head scissors over the top rope, and then Ray nails a somersault head scissors takedown on the floor. And I, this is similar to what you saw. If you guys saw our, our review of Halloween Havoc 1998 that we did a while back, you remember this was similar to what happened when he went up against Disco Inferno, and that freaked me out. That was like a what the fuck yeah. just happened here, and it was it was not pretty, ladies and gentlemen. It was not pretty. So that kind of freaked me out. I had no idea what the hell was about to happen there. And uh, what I found interesting about this battle was Ray's mask is built into his one-piece suit, if you look real closely for this match. Um, and they were talking about how what would happen if Ray got unmasked. And they said how Conan was successful after being young, unmasked. But other wrestlers' careers have suffered. Like, r- apparently a lot of rest- luchadors, once they got their mask removed, their careers pretty much went nowhere. Um and they said Ray used to wrestle as Calibre the Hummingbird for many years until his uncle gave him his current mask. 
which I thought was some interesting information. And uh, glad he changed his name. That's all I gotta say. Rey Mysterio sounds way better. I can't imagine in 2022 saying Dominic the Hummingbird. I just couldn't do that. That'd be fucking weird as hell. Uh, it wouldn't be Dominic the Hummingbird. It would be, okay, I had a joke here, but then I lost it. So, moving on. Yes. Eddie wore a mask in Japan as Black Tiger. Uh, some of you might remember that from when we talked about the uh, collision in Korea a while back. By the way, you can check that out on our Dark Side of the Ring, and there's a link that'll take you to the audio version. Um, he was a, And he was oh, also yeah. Master Ameka in Mexico. I'm assuming I pronounced that right. But he voluntarily took off his mask, thus breaking tradition. That's the same thing of Eddie Guerrero. He voluntarily said, yeah, I don't need this no more, which upset a lot of luchadors, apparently. But um, anyway, and as you know, eventually Ray would take off his mask. And in my opinion, I don't think it hurt his career at all, having the mask removed. He even said that by doing that, he got to work high-profile matches with top talent in WCW. So he was willing to sacrifice his mask for that opportunity. And obviously, Ray's career has done wonders, even after he's gone to WWE. So he's still he's still a big it's draw today. It's done great for him. He, he even won back the custody of his son. Yes. That was uh that happened much later in, in in the career. But of course, um after the match, Eddie throws Ray out of the ring. The crowd boos him. Ray Mysterio celebrates because he's he keeps his mask for now and is the new cruiserweight champion. Eddie Guerrero's only been cha- only got to hold the belt for a month. So Eddie Guerrero was a transitional champion on this one. And pretty much on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We've got Steve McMichael versus Alex Wright with Queen Deborah. Mr. Boudreaux, you didn't do that right. Wait, what, what do you mean? You did not do that right. That is not that man's name. Yeah, it is. It's Steve McMichael. No, it's not. It's Mungo! Well, yeah, you're supposed to do that. Motherfucker, that... motherfucker, work with the gimmick. Go. I am working with the gimmick. You're, I, I, I say Steve McMichael and you go, Mungo! That's how this works. Okay. It's like when I, I say Tatanka and you say Buffalo. Same thing. All right. All right. This was the period in time when Deborah was pissed at Mongo and tried forcing various men to try and beat up her husband. Poor Alex Wright. He just wanted to dance and hang out shirtless on the beach with the renegades. Mutton failed. Joe Perez, Jim Powers, and let somebody get roped into this bullshit. Okay, Tony ignores all of that to tease the main event between Piper and Hogan, which may be canceled unless WCW can, can pro- promise Hogan the thing will not make an appearance. Brain and Dusty lose their minds. Uh, that's why it's a cage match, whatever. They're going off that whole thing. Uh, Alex and Mongo have a hell of a match. Uh, they stall for a bit before Alex grabs a wrist lock. Mongo takes takes him over before Alex tries to roll through, uh, only for Mongo to slam him down. Alex bails and uh, costs Deborah. Alex is all is all I thought he couldn't wrestle and was just here because of a Super Bowl ring. Deborah saying that about, he says this about Mongo. Uh, Deborah's ignorance is, you know, the whole storyline here. Back in the ring, Alex jaws with the crowd as Mongo does the Hogan ear cup thing. They jockey over an Americana. Now Alex Wright wins that one and Mongo is a gut, is a gas. That's one to kid. They trade back and forth. Things get a little nuts. Uh, Goldberg comes out, slams Alex Wright onto Mongo, and then bails out. One, two, three. Put over Alex Wright. Six minutes, 36, 33 seconds. Compassionless but perversely entertaining chain wrestling started this off. But when Mongo's true color shone, though, through and the match went down into the shitter. Yes. And all right. 
Let's see where to go with this. So Deborah is considered the queen of WCW. Uh, her and Steve had an altercation right. backstage. Sounded like a couple going through a divorce. He wants to cut her off financially. She says she's earned it by putting up with him. Oh, dear God. That's a divorce. That's a couple going through a divorce and all that bullshit. Then we get to the match. Alex is frustrated with the crowd booing him. And uh, at one point, um, Alex climbs up. Steve grabs his tights and pulls him down. Although I think at one point he stretched out his arm a little too long. On that one, that felt weird. Um, I don't think I need to go that long out just to pull somebody. Um, and then Alex goes for a tombstone, but Steve fights out. I can't tell if that was a botch or if Steve really fought out. Probably the other one. It was a botch? Yes. It felt like a botch. Then, of course, um, Deborah distracts the referee after Steve nails the tombstone pile driver. Goldberg comes out and spears Mongo. And here's, ladies and gentlemen of the Boochcast. When it comes to WCW. When it comes to WCW. There is one consistent thing that I tend to bitch about. Consistency, yes. And Goldberg hits the jackhammer. Oh, God. That's not what made me angry. I love when Goldberg hits the jackhammer. I'm a Goldberg fan. Charles Robinson clearly sees the fucking jackhammer. And then Mm -hmm. quickly looks away and keeps walking around yelling at Deborah. If you pause it, you can see Charles Robinson clear as fucking day sees Goldberg hit that jackhammer. It's almost like Charles walking around and he went, oh shit. It's like, motherfucker, you all couldn't stand in one place? It's a distraction. It, if the referee's being distracted, you're in one place. Who don't know this? You pick a corner, she fucking talks, you talk to her, and you wait till she gets down off the fucking apron, and then you turn around. That is literally referee one-on-one. Gator, am I right or wrong? Yep, pretty much. There you go. The f- Oh my god. He literally blew the fucking finish right there. Doesn't call for the bell. No disqualification. Just like, go ahead. I know, look. Fucking idiot. So then, all the other stuff. Goldberg throws out Mongo. Walks over to Deborah. She gives him Mongo's Super Bowl ring. Oscar will shake Goldberg's hand. He nails him with a right hand. Throws him in the ring. And then Spears and Jack hammers him. And I was wondering why Goldberg wasn't on the card. And then I'm like, okay, this is why he was meant to interfere in this match. Because when I'm watching Halloween Havoc, my first thought is, okay, it's 97. Goldberg's here. Why is he not have a match? That does not make sense. Here they answered it. He was meant to interfere in this match. That was done with a referee botch, which happens a lot in WCW, by the way. I don't know where WCW got the referees, but some of these motherfuckers were incompetent. Like, they, you knew, you knew they was about to fuck up. And speaking of fuck ups, oh my God. Lord, Lord, give me strength. Here we give go. Me fucking strength. Whack me in the head so I can see some stars. There were none in this match and none to give. We move on to the next match of the evening. Jacqueline versus Disco Inferno. This is this is fucking stupid. I'm not going to say anything that's going to be funnier than you going to fuck off. So go ahead. All right. Where do I fucking begin here? All right. Here's my problem, ladies and gentlemen. This is an unsanctioned non-title match because WWE doesn't allow women to challenge for the WCW television title, which is currently held by the Disco Inferno. I got no problem with that. They also are not cool with men wrestling women. Okay. Yeah, okay, okay. Okay, okay. If we're not cool with men wrestling women, if that's going to be WCW stance, why the fuck are we even booking the match in the first place? Now, Gator, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question, and I need an answer. In this match... Mm-hmm. Who's the baby face? Jacqueline. Jacqueline. Okay, so so that would make Disco Inferno the heel, right? That, are we, are, are, can we, can, are we establishing you would, that? You would, you would think. Yeah, so, so we agree... 
that Jackal is the baby face. Disco Inferno's the heel. Okay, look, I'm all for the chicken shit heel. Y'all know that. We've talked about it before. I believe it was last week, or at least the week before that. At some point, we established that we are okay here on the Boochcast with chicken shit heels. We we embrace well, it. I, I think it's a great way to get over. It's a great way to get a baby face over. It's fantastic. Here's my question. Why is the heel having a moral dilemma? Okay, if Disco's a baby face and Jacqueline was the heel, okay. I would think it's stupid, but I can at least understand. Okay, baby face doesn't want to hit the girl, is trying to avoid hitting the girl, whatever. But then the girl, like, does a bunch of stuff. And finally, the guy says, I've had enough of this. Boom. One, two, three, knocks her out. Okay. You get to a point where the baby face is doing everything he can. If you're a heel, why would putting your hands on a woman be a problem for you? It I wouldn't. I, yeah, never mind the ratings. I don't care about this gentleman shit, which pisses me the fuck off. Get it him, really pisses me off. Now, look, I have said this before, and I will say it again. I am not endorsing violence towards women. I don't I go am. around. Beat that bitch. Slapping bitches for no reason. And if you're one of those people that puts your hands on a woman without probable cause, just because you say you're a man and you can, you're a piece of shit. I will establish that so that's off the table. That being said, if you are in a fight, if you are in a match, and a girl is swinging at you, and you don't defend yourself, there is something fucking wrong with you. You're not a gentleman. You're a doormat. You're a fucking doormat. If someone, anyone puts their hands on you, you should have the right to fucking retaliate. Because no one should be allowed to hit anybody and get away with it. No woman should be allowed to smack a guy and be allowed to just walk away unscathed. That is not gentlemen, and it sure as hell ain't ladylike. You put your hands on somebody, you has fight. Especially with me. I don't care about your age. I don't care about your race. I don't care about your gender. I don't care about your sexual orientation. If you ball up a fist and you swing it at me, we has fight. So if you don't want to fight me, don't put your hands on me. Or don't challenge me to a fight. Don't challenge me to a match. If you ain't man enough or woman enough to step up to the goddamn plate. If you're going to make this match, make it a fucking match. Jacqueline is more than qualified to step in the ring with a guy. And here's the best part. If she whoops his ass, it works because she's the baby face. And she has a physique. She's not She's not dainty, okay? Jacqueline doesn't look like a Girl Scout, like a former SmackDown Women's Champion. She looks like a fucking badass. Jacqueline is a credible professional wrestler, one of the few female wrestlers in our business that had that has fucking talent. I almost said had, but I don't want to say like it's a bad thing. She's a legend. I don't know if she can still go in a ring. I haven't seen her. But in her prime, she was a badass. You could have had a good, solid match here. And it would have made Jacqueline look even better if you were going to book her as a wrestler. Because then it shows, hey, she can dish out the punishment and she can take it. That makes you tough. And the best part is, it would get Disco some heat. Because there'd be guys in the stands going, he shouldn't do that to a woman. How dare you? And all that. And then Jacqueline finds a way to fight back, however she does it. You could have told a better story. Instead of having Disco just fucking running out of the ring, ducking out of the ring, running around the place. Jacqueline trying to get a couple of shots and Disco just not doing anything. I'm telling you right now, it buries Disco completely. It buries Disco. It makes him look nutless. That's exactly what this did. You ain't got no nuts. It was goddamn. It was goddamn ridiculous. It wasn't even a match, and it wasted valuable pay-per-view time. This time, this this match was fucking nine minutes and thirty-nine seconds. 
of our lives we can't get back. That is that is time you could have put into so many other matches that followed this. You had a main event you could have added more time to. You had a you had a semi main event you could have added more time to. You had a you had a money making match with a guest referee and we had a US title match. You could have added nine you could have taken that and spread it out amongst those four fights. Instead you gave it to two people who barely touched each other, weren't remotely entertaining, and just made both of themselves look stupid. Yeah. Kind of. The only, the only shine Jacqueline got was she won. Yeah, kind of. Seriously, enough with this. Enough with this. If you're not going to let the men wrestle the women, then don't let them get physical with each other at all. They either get physical all the way or not at all. None of this guy misses, girl slaps him, guy looks stupid. I'm tired of it. It buries your male talent. It emasculates everybody. And the only pop you're going to get is from the other women. It's stupid. It's pointless. And it does nothing to benefit either one of these two or this pay-per-view or the product as a whole. Is there anything else I have to say or do you want to move on? Moving on. Yes. And on that note, we're going to move on next match of the evening we're getting back to reality which is weird to say in wrestling and we go to the WCW United States Heavyweight Championship match Kurt Henning defends the title against Ric Flair okay so here's the thing perfect comes out wearing Flair's robe he cut the sleeves off, okay? Awesomely to sell perfect being a robe stealer. Flair doesn't wear a different one of the ring. And in fact, comes sprinting out and wants him a piece of Kurt Henning. Uh, Flair pulls Henning to the floor. Cue the chops. Woo. Uh, Flair clips the leg. Perfect cuts a, cuts a flip without even using getting the robe off. Uh, perfect gets on the apron. Flair gives him the running knee. Uh, that sends him onto the guardrail. Perfect says he doesn't need this crap and walks away. Flair runs down, hits a styling and profiling hammer from behind. Here we go, more woo. Henning jumps into a chop, launches himself across the ring. Um, do, 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 do. here we go again. School schoolboy Dusty. When them when the lead dog runs, all the little doggies run with him. Perfect no sells some chops and comes down on the knee again. Uh man, what the hell is is the crew doing? Uh, I get rambling about the NWO th uh, through the Jackie Disco Snooze Fest, but this is Flair and, and Perfect. Shut the fuck up. Call the match, okay? Uh, and more chops. The ref calls for the bell at 13.37, giving the victory to Perfect because Flair um, do, 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 kicks, the, kicks the belt in Perfect's face. Ta-da! Hmm. Yeah, and um, they were talking about how Kurt Henning's not well-liked. They said Albert Bell can hit home runs, but nobody likes him either. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, like I said, he he had Flair's robe. Flair ran out, started beating the shit out of Kurt. I thought that was great. And obviously, this is um revenge for, you know, Kurt Henning joining the NWO at Fall Brawl, which you guys heard that recap last week, or if you didn't, go check it out. Um, And, of course, Tony is mad that Brain isn't as emotional as him and Dusty when it comes to the NWO. Uh, Kurt and Flair trade shots, and Kurt and Nails a clothesline for two. Kurt nails the side of the head that got slammed on the cage at Fall Brawl. And Flair got up and dared Kurt to come at him, and he did. Uh, normally, he cowers at that spot, but changed it up since he's babyface, which I thought was which I thought was interesting. You know, he kind of normally when Flair dares someone gets up and dares somebody to come at them, usually he backs down, he cowers. But Flair changing it up, good change of pace there. Um, Henning puts in a sleeper hole, Piper's finish, which 
again, I, I have to mention this. Um, I, I might have mentioned it before. If I did, I apologize, but I need to ask the question again. When Roddy Piper's on the roster, why is anyone doing a sleeper hold? That, that, mm -hmm. that, that's wrong. If Roddy Piper is on the roster, no one should be doing the sleeper hold under any circumstances. That's Piper's finisher. You don't use someone else's finisher in your match, especially a legend. Not that Henning isn't a legend, but I thought that was wrong, especially when he's in the main event. So I took issue with that. Uh, at one point, Flair starts making a comeback on the outside. Flair chops him, nails a snapmare, and catapults him into the ring post. Tony mentions there's padding on the post from Slim Jim, which I like because it justifies why Henning isn't busted open. I'm like, you hit the post. Not the turnbuckle, the post. How the fuck are you not bleeding? Well, there's padding. Okay. Thank you, Tony. See, you got my blood pressure down for that. And then, of course, we have the DQ, and then Flair then knocks out the rep, attacks Henning. The refs try to stop Flair as Conan and Vincent get Henning out of there. And Tony is pissed that the refs are stopping this because, obviously, he wants to see the NWO get theirs and doesn't like the fact that the refs are doing their job. Yes. Because why not? Exactly. Let's let's get mad at the refs for doing their job. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know why the janitor is cleaning up that trap. Uh, cause he's the janitor. Kind of how this works, bro. But uh, I wonder why the gynecologist has got his finger in my wife. Cause he's the gynecologist. That's kind of how that works. I how I need to check. But um, anyway, great U.S. title match. Um, very well done. Nothing to complain about. Both great workers right here. Proof why they're legends. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We've got Lex Luger versus Scott Hall with six with Larry Zabisco as the guest referee. Tony blames the matches horrible. Zabisco stalling homage on on being all worked up over the Hogan Piper drama, and then imitates Dusty's accent. Hall and Hall and Luger tease reversing the anchor hold for a solid minute before Luger reverses only for Hall. Hall to get the ropes, get to the ropes. Uh, ten rope breaks so far. Luger tries mounting in the corner. Hall with an atomic drop, which I still can't understand is legal because you can go to you can't go to the nuts, but you can drop somebody on their nuts. Yeah, I never figured that out either. Hall with a running hmm? Yeah, I never figured that out either. Yeah. Hall with a running start of a lariat. Hall goes to uh the blatant choke. Larry Z is none too pleased. Hall with a running clothesline, cover one, two, only two. Hall and stick art sticks argue about the count. Hall with a snap. Man or Snooplex. Other two count. Um, the match ends. Uh, hold on, wait a minute. Eric Bischoff comes out. Larry softly boots him off the apron to a pop. Hall and Luger recover. Slug it out. Luger with the bionic steel plate forearm of death and a few atomic drop. Larry tries to keep Bischoff at bay as Luger calls for the rack. But wait, Six waffles Luger from behind. Larry didn't see it. Hall recovers for the Razor's, razor's Edge. He covers for one, two, and a tree to win in 12 minutes and 44 seconds. Two minutes and 44 seconds. 12 minutes and 44 seconds. I got here 13.02. Go with that. And this, ladies and gentlemen, um, the Scott yells at Larry as Larry wants him to take out the toothpick. Scott throws it, hits it in Larry's face, and then uh, Luger decks Hall. Bell rings. They lock up. Larry forces them to break. They lock up again. Larry backs Luger off. Uh, I will say this. A couple of things I noticed here. Scott locks in a side headlock. 
What I love about this moment, he lets it register with the fans. If you notice that. He actually lets the fans process. There's a headlock here. I'm using this to beat him. He's not going to push me off right away so I can do a bunch of circus shit. So mm -hmm. this brings me to one of my many catchphrases during these reviews. You won't see that in AEW. Uh, no. And overall, very good match. Very aggressive. Um, Hall choked Luger in the ropes. They counted to five and then pushed Hall off. Chose not to DQ. Then what the fuck was the point? You should have just knocked him off after four. What is the point in counting to five? and not DQing. I will disqualify you on the count of five. Y'all motherfuckers never do it! Again! This makes the referee look like a pussy. Like a pussy? Yes. Which is not good, especially when the referee in this case is a legend like Larry Zabisco. Like a pussy? Like a pussy. It makes you look like a pussy because you're afraid to enforce your own rules and regulations. If you want the match to continue, wait till you get the four and kick the motherfucker off. Don't count. That's the, what you do. Yeah, don't count the five. That's like that's like that's like those countdown moms that are like, if you don't if you don't come over here by the count of three, I'm gonna hit you. One, two, two and a half, two and three quarters. Tyler, you better get over here, bitch. Get to three and get to swinging. Yeah. The king clearly. You're not a does not respect your authority. Yeah, she's clearly not Italian. Jesus. Oh, no, 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 no. If she was Italian, she would have got to one. There he is. Let's go. Because Italian kids, we fucking listen. And because uh -huh. we know the danger that lies ahead. Now, anyway, they go through all the other stuff. Then we have another form of fuckery. I just gave Scott Hall props, and then he made a mistake. Locks in a sleeper hold. Again, this is Piper's finish. Why are we, why are we using the sleeper hold? Respect a legend's finisher. Especially if they're in the fucking main event. Do a Taz mission, whatever. He's in a fucking, he's an ECW. He won't fucking notice or care. And if he does, fuck him. He's in another company. Do a bear hug. Do something. Enough with the sleeper holds. It's ridiculous. One thing, if Piper wasn't on the card, I wouldn't give a shit. When the motherfucker's in the main event and you're using this finisher as another one of your holds, it's disrespectful. So, outside of that, great match. And, of course, uh, Eric Bischoff stomps on his head and nails some karate kicks, pins him while Hall counts, and Tony says, Mama, I want to be a wrestler. Which I thought was kind of funny. And the match is ruled a no contest. So, this gets thrown out the window. So, great match, stupid finish, and, and a little bit of fuckery, but not too much. And... On that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening. We have ourselves a Las Vegas sudden death match. Macho Man Randy Savage with Miss Elizabeth versus Diamond Dallas Page. So this is basically a last man standing match, correct? Um, think so. I mean, in premise, this is basically a last man standing match. Yes, so, I believe so. Yes, so this match fucking rule. It's, it's awesome in too many ways to count. Psychology, heat, drama, timing. It might be the best sports entertainment, air quote, match in the history of WCW. Very much in the vein of Stone Cold and Dude Love. Every ECW main event. A little mildly overbooked with a few ref bumps. Second, seconds interfering. The shit run in. But again, everything clicks and it's just fucking wonderful. Oh yes. This was was, this is a classic. It was great because a it was it, it really showed Diamond Dallas Page being at his best. It showed Randy Savage even at his age could still go, you know, because a lot of people were curious about that because that was part of the reason why he wasn't getting a lot of matches in WWE was because of his. They thought he was getting up in age, and then Randy went to WCW and said, 
I could still work matches like that. Not only that, I'm going to take another person who gets judged by his age, and we're going to have one of the best matches in the history of the company, and damn if they didn't. Hold on. Time out. Time out. Time out. Time out. Had one of the best feuds in the company. Oh, yeah. I mean, they had definitely one of the best feuds, best rivalries. Yeah, I'm talking about. But this match was probably the best out of the feud, I would say. Do you think it was the Oh, sure, for sure. For sure. But I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, they had. This is, they, they this won is the feud that was 97. Yes. This embodied 97 right here, and it was a hell of a fantastic fight. These guys killed each other, fought each other with everything, fighting around the place, fighting in the graveyard, on the front of the stage. It was almost as violent as Drew McIntyre and... <laughs> nah, don't even. Don't even. That is disrespectful, sir. That is disrespectful, sir. You, you apologize to these legends right now. I'm joking. I know. Uh, so yeah, but these guys definitely brought the fight, and then of course, um, and then of course, uh, at one point, uh, Miss Elizabeth knocks out the ref with a with a waitress tray. Uh, she then chokes Dallas with an extension cord that causes Kimberly to run out, grab Liz by the hair, and drags her to the back. Now, this part, I gotta be honest, the way she's dragging her to the back, it looked really fake. It didn't feel like she was being dragged. It felt like they were both walking together, and she had hold of her hair. I didn't feel like this was being dragged. But despite that, and I'm gonna say this, I think I would love to have seen them in a match. I think Kimberly and. Liz Liz. I would like to see them see them fight. Yes, yes. Two of the most promiscuous women in all of wrestling. Hey, I have no objection to that. I think it'd be a hell of a <laughs> fight. Mr. really just wants to see pussy. Doesn't every guy who's straight? Well, yeah. Yeah, every straight guy I mean, not wants Zach, but the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah, well, Zach's a whole another breed. Um, I'm aware. Yeah, so either way, hell of a great fight. And then here, here's the biggest complaint that I have, though. My one gripe. Someone dressed as Sting nails Dallas in the ribs with the bat. The ref counts to 10. Randy gets the win. Now, I know over the course of the last few pay-per-views we've been talking about, Sting, and I'm using air quotes, has come out and attacked people. He's attacked the Giant. He's attacked Luger. He attacked Dallas. I understand what they're trying to do here, but here's why I have a problem with it in this match. Why would you have a fake Sting show up when J.J. Dillon has in writing that Sting wouldn't be here tonight so Hogan couldn't weasel his way out of the main event. Because Hogan was saying, I want to guarantee that Sting is not going to show up here or I refuse to wrestle in the main event. He was holding the show hostage. There were segments throughout the night in between these matches. J.J. Dillon finally comes out and delivers it in writing so that way Hogan has no choice but to get his ass in that ring and get locked in that cage with Piper. So so what is the point of the fake sting? I know people are going to say it's a fake sting. If you're following the story and the psychology of the show, Sting should not be here. So if Sting shows up in this match, Hogan should be allowed to say, fuck this, you ain't getting the main event. Hogan's not leaving the building. Hogan's not gathering up his bags. I just, if I'm telling you I won't want somebody in the building or I'm not going to wrestle and I see them in the building, I ain't fucking wrestling because you you went back on your word. You, you gave me a guarantee and you fucked me. I ain't getting in the ring, but yet when we get to that match, they, they walked out there like it was no big deal. Like I didn't just see Sting whack Dallas with a freaking bat. Get it? Am I right or wrong? No, you're right. 
Seriously, who is paying attention to their own show? Did nobody proofread the fucking format? We just said Sting's not going to be here. Why would we book a fake Sting to go out? And if we are booking a fake Sting to go out, why are we not having Hogan panic and leave the building? And then we find out, oh, it was a fake Sting. Sorry, Hogan, get in the ring. You could have just revealed who the fake Sting has been this whole time. And then we find out, holy shit, Hogan's now got to get in the ring. And you have security just toss his ass in there. And now he's scared because he's locked in a cage with Piper. Fuck, I ain't even gone to booking school and I figured this out. Mm-hmm. What the fuck does that tell you? Not, I mean, I've, I've always said you're a better booker than half of the bookers. It's just, I, I, and, and, it, and just to be clear, I'm in no way am I blaming the talent in this match, obviously. I said it before, I'll say it again. Dallas and Savage, this is one of the best matches in the history of WCW. This is, one of, this is the best match of their feud. They fucking crushed it. Props to both of them. Props to Kimberly and Elizabeth as well for the parts they played. But this part right here Yay. was fucking stupidity. This is 100% on the booking. Girl. Not a Savage problem. This is not a Dallas problem. This is a booking problem. So unless either one of them is part of the booking committee, and I'm pretty sure they weren't, the booking is to blame for that shitty part of the match. Dallas gets carried on a stretcher. Savage tries to rip him off of it, but it's pushed away. So they tried to get something interesting going. But anyway. All right, and on that note, we move on to the main event of the evening. We got ourselves a non-title steel cage match. Hollywood Hogan goes one-on-one with Roddy Piper. Age in the cage. This match was so fucking bad. It inspired an epic Jim Cornette rant that we will forever, that forever christened Hulk Hogan with this phrase. Hulk Hogan, you may be a household name, but so is garbage. And it stinks when it gets old too. How many fucking awful main events has Hulk Hogan been in, in WCW? I mean, this is, this is four crimes against humanity. He had back to back to back to back havoc main events there is no flow no logic barely any heat it's such a colossal waste why were there like 10 stinks i mean what the fuck this is all bullshit why were there supposed to be good guys about who i mean what the fuck the nwo plants designed to fool Piper and the fans. Why not let Hogan escape? What if WCW plants designed designed to fool Hogan, why not help Piper stop Macho? Why just let them walk out of the cage in the middle of the match? There is there is no hell. There is this was a ma- waste of fucking time. Rant over. Okay. So this cage allows wrestlers to compete on the floor. I'm sure there have been cage matches like this before, but I can't help but feel this is a response to Bad Blood 97 and the Hell in a Cell. Except there's no lid on the cage. That's kind of how I was feeling here. And obviously, um, Piper has the belt when he comes out. Hogan's pissed because he's technically still the champ, but Piper stole the belt to ultimately get this match. And uh, these two did what they did. Um, There was one part that I thought was funny, and it wasn't meant to be. At one point, um, Hogan tries to climb out of the cage. Piper starts whipping him and then bites his ass. Now, Dusty says, and I'm not going to use the Dusty voice for this because I have to use my voice to clarify. Dusty says during this point, he's biting him right where he sits, boys. But with his lisp, I thought for a moment, I had to rewind this five times. Dusty says he's biting him right where he sits, boys. But with his lisp, I thought he said he's biting him right where he shits, boys. And I was like, what the fuck? I had to rewind that shit. I literally thought he said he's biting him right where he shits, boys. 
I'm like, you can say, I'm like, the announcers can cuss now? And it really listen. He goes, he's biting them right where he sits, boys. But with the lisp, it sounds like he said shit instead of sit. But the best part is Dusty has a lisp, so I guess he gets away with it if he if, if it was accidental. But And it's pay-per-view, so I probably think he won't get in as much trouble. But I thought that was hilarious. That was funny as fuck to me. And then Piper throws the bandana out of the cage. They're fighting. They're fighting. Um, he's like, fight me, you son of a bitch. Hogan keeps running away. Uh, this is basically a cat and mouse game here. And then there's two stings that show up, which is fucking stupid. Um, you know, they I mean, I think that, you know, for what they for what it was worth, they did the best they could, but this cage match did not deliver. And I don't think it's as god awful as other people make it out to be, but I do feel like there could have been more they could have done. I think they didn't need the extra interference. I think just the two of them alone would have been a much better match because psychology wise, they were working pretty well. You know, Hogan was being the chicken shit heel. I thought he was doing a very good job with that. Piper being a badass. I thought, because both these guys know how to work. They're two of the best in the business. So, I think if we didn't have the excess interference and... You know, they just kept it in the cage and really just kept it between the two of them. It would have been a much better match, you know. And then, of course, there's the fan who jumps the guardrail. The announcers try to cover it up, but it's still a fan jumping the guardrail. And Randy and Hogan beat the fuck out of the fan until security comes in to get them. And, of course, I end that with, you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. Mm -hmm. So, overall, that's my opinion. I thought the cage match was decent, but it could have been better. Any final words, Gator? Yeah, um, two very good matches. Matches. The rest of the card sucked ass. I see. All right, and that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up view of Halloween Havoc '97. Gator, as always, I thank you for taking your time, very busy schedule, and I look forward to seeing you on the next one. Yeah, whatever. All right. Well, make sure you guys uh, follow the Boochcast. We're on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there or be a super fan. Follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to Facebook.com slash TheBoochCast. We have archived episodes as well as great content. Be on the lookout for our uh, latest episode of the Male Soap Opera Moment where uh, Wednesday and I will be giving our predictions for WWE Crown Jewel on the Male Soap Opera Moment. We'll be talking a little bit about Crown Jewel. Uh, it'll be on the, this coming Saturday on, uh, on the Peacock. So, uh, if you got the time and you're not busy, on the clock. yep, you got the time. Join us, or at least join me. I'll be doing recaps of the show. Um, unless something happens and I end up working that Saturday, I'd have no idea. But if I'm home, rest assured, I'll be watching it. And uh, also, make sure you guys follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcats for the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Visit our YouTube channel, check out all of our YouTube content, and be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted. Uh, we got episodes of the dark of a uh, dark side of the ring are out right now we got chris canyon fmw uh i believe johnny canine's out uh we got luna vachon and this coming thursday on the youtube channel will be extreme and obscene rob black's xpw is gonna drop so be sure to check and that then, and then it is time for smut and fails yes that will hopefully be next week provided that shit smut goes, and fail. provided that shit goes the way we needed to um but yes yeah, so rob smut and fail. All right, we just get it. You made your point. So we got XPW drops this Thursday on the YouTube channel. So make sure you hit the subscribe button, ring that bell, be notified, so you can be one of the first to check it out, featuring myself and Zachariah Scott. Also, uh, make sure you are following us on Twitch. Go to Twitch.tv/slash/TheBoochCast where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, November the 26th for WWE Survivor.
Survivor Series. Uh, it's going to be a lot. We're going to be on live at 8 p.m. for the War Games that will be happening during this show. War Games. Yes. Y you know what's better than War Games, Mr. Boudreaux? What's that? It's my dad failed. Thank you. And so make sure you guys join us uh, on Twitch. We'll be there uh, for all the fun excitement. And, of course, we got our D&D &D show coming soon, our Boochcast booking battle, and, of course, another special treat that we're working on. Just trying to get all the kinks worked out. It's taking a little longer than I thought, but eventually we will get it out to you. Also, make sure you guys uh, support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash theboochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We got three different levels you can donate at. We have our first level, which is $0.99, cents, $1 per month. Our second level is $4.99, $5 per month. The same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the Peacock, so don't give them money. Give us money money we got better content than peacock anyway and we got the third and final level you can donate at which is for a mere $9.99 $10 same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE Network subscription here in the United States ever since over the peacock you got nowhere to put that $9.99 to that $9.99 bring it over here we got better content than the network and unlike all elite wrestling we actually care about our fans and are dedicated to giving the people what they want the option of paying with a credit card or with gpay now the best part is all the money we raise money we get from anchor goes back into the show in some capacity to help it evolve. We used to upgrade our equipment, bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and you believe they're to be paid for their hard work, anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then if there's any money left over, when it's all said and done, we use the rest to feed uh, Zach his ramen noodles and continue our ever-ending quest to get him laid. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch saying keep on living life and take care. This has been the Boochcast. Talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza baby. And I'm the Gator and I'll see you later. Smut and Phil. Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all. Goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.